Listen, five years ago, when this was just a dream, honestly, on some paper, we had a hope that we might be able to create an organization where folks who had no experience with church, or worse, a bad experience with church, might be able to find or have a fighting chance with God. And when I watch that video, and I look out here at some of the folks that are here, those people now are thriving in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm just so happy to be a part of this. I'm so grateful that God brought every single one of you to this church because you guys are the DNA of this church. We talked about that this morning as a staff, that you are the ones that have helped create this place that enables lives to be changed. So thank you so much for what you do inside these walls and outside in this city. Before I forget, I do want to thank one person. I want to thank Christina Cooper because without her, virtual church for the last six months would not have happened, okay? She was helping with the video. She helped to edit every single thing. She would spend hours getting it onto Facebook, and when it would fail, she would have to start all over again. And so I just want to give her a round of applause, guys, because she enabled every single one of us to come together virtually and worship Jesus and have a great time in the midst of some crazy times. So I'm just so grateful to her and the rest of the team for what they were able to do. All right, now the formalities are over. Let's have a little bit of fun, shall we? We are kicking off this brand new series that we are calling Permission to Speak Freely, where over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be having a conversation, just three weeks, having a conversation about the power of our words. Now, when I was thinking about this series, I was thinking about how when you see sort of military movies, whenever a soldier kind of wants to speak their mind, you always hear them say, permission to speak freely, Captain? You know, you've seen that before. Now, Googling it this week, apparently that doesn't really happen in real life, but we're used to that trope, so we're going to stick with it. So I always love this idea that if you wanted to speak your mind in the military, you had to ask before you do so. But as civilians, we have the right to speak freely, right? Because of the First Amendment, we have freedom of speech, and that's really a phenomenal blessing. I mean, as Americans, I don't know if we actually grasp how amazing it is that we can speak freely and we can say the things that we want to say and believe the things that we want to say. I mean, if you're from a different country or a part of the world that doesn't have this right, you know how important and how amazing it is. However, it is that very right that often gets all of us in some hot water relationally. And you've seen it because words have power. They have power to build us up. They have power to tear us down. We've all been on the receiving end of encouragement or, or praise, or maybe you felt the sting of criticism and anger. Now, over the last 20 years, I've noticed a trend sort of in this country, and maybe it's going on for longer, but I've seen it at least ramp up in the last 20 years. I've found that we as Americans have been quick to speak. We've been very slow to listen, if at all, and we're very quick to get angry. And this pattern, I think, has impacted our marriages. It's impacted sort of parent-child relationships. It's worked its way into the workplace. And I think the most egregious sort of form that it takes is how we as a nation now talk about politics. So the question I have, let me get this out of the way because it's right in the middle here. The question I have and I've been thinking about is where did this breakdown in communication start? How did we fall into this pattern as a people of being quick to speak and slow to listen and just really quick to get angry? Now, I think, my opinion only, 
I think we can blame reality television, at least in part, because reality TV has both normalized and encouraged us to just speak your mind. Just speak your mind. Put them a camera on them and give them a show and have them speak your mind. And if you watch as much Bravo TV as my wife and I do, I mean, that's really why we have Comcast, is so we can watch The Housewives and Below Deck and all that kind of stuff. When you watch as much Bravo TV as we do, you will notice something. On any show, pretty much any episode, you will hear one phrase being uttered over and over, especially on The Housewife Show. You will hear people say, I just got to say, I just got to say. And generally speaking, the strong opinion that's about to follow this has made stronger by a big glass of Pinot Grigio, all right? And as a regular viewer, I could tell you that whenever someone says, I just got to say, without fail, the conversation that's going to follow is going to devolve into a screaming match, okay? This is a fair, okay? This, and always, this is a very famous Malibu, I think it's Pool Party from Hell. Uh, it's a great episode, all right? But I, whenever, when, without fail, whenever one of these people says, I just got to say, you can ask my wife, I yell back at the TV, no, you don't just got to say, okay? Sometimes you just, you don't have to say anything. Now, we've got the reality TV going into one side of our heads. We've got another problem. Because the internet, oh, that's a whole other issue. With the internet, we're all faceless. And when there's that a little bit of anonymity, it turns us all into animals, okay? Now, scripture does not give us a lot of detail about hell, all right? But in my opinion, I bet hell looks very similar to the comments section on YouTube videos or underneath news articles. I don't know if you read these things, but they're brutal. And it could be any article. It doesn't have to be even political in nature. It could be an article on puppies. And by the fifth, you look when you go home, by the fifth comment down, it's like a scene out of Dante's Inferno. It's like the pits of hell. People are calling each other Hitler. I'm not, it's wild. So why do I say all this? With the myriad forms of communication that we all have, it seems like we've all forgotten how to communicate with each other. So what I want to do today is I want to take a, a brief look at something that James, who is the brother of Jesus Christ, something that James has to say about communicating with other people, particularly when tensions are a little high. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but tensions are a little bit high right now in this country. Now, before we kind of dive in, I do want to say something. Um, every week, I don't know if you know this, but every single week I run these messages, or we as a team, no matter who's speaking, we run it together. So I run this with Christine. And I did the message with her, and when we were done, she goes, you know, you really should give them a disclaimer up front that this message is going to make them squirm in their seats, okay? So she's like, the whole time you were saying it, John, I was squirming in my seats. Now, it's a truth that we all need to hear, but it's going to make every single one of us very uncomfortable. So welcome back to church. I'm glad you came. You know, I'm sure you're very happy you came here today. You got the masks. Now I'm going to make you feel really bad for the next month's church. So that's what you come for, the guilt. All right. So James kicks off in James 1, chapter 19, and here's what he says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. So right off the bat, we know who James is speaking to. He is speaking to Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian in the room, if somebody dragged you here and promised you brunch afterwards, or you're just here checking things out, wanted to find out what church looks like, this Jesus thing, that's okay, because the advice that James is about to give it's just solid advice that anybody can put into practice in their own life. So he says this, everyone should be quick to listen. Essentially, James is saying, your first priority relationally is to listen. 
before you do anything else, he says, I want you to rush to listen to the other person. Now, isn't this what we all want? I mean, really, don't we all want to be listened to, be heard and understood? Yeah. So what James is saying here is straight up his brother's stuff. This is Jesus' stuff. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you want to be heard, if you want to be listened, then you need to be quick to listen to other people. Now, the other thing I love about this idea of listening first is that it places us in a position of humility. Look at how Paul the Apostle sort of defines humility for us. He says, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition, that's this, I want to get my point across to you, or vanity, this idea that I know better than you know, each of us should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Imagine how the temperature in the room would come down if we began to follow Paul's advice here. Imagine what conversations with your spouse would look like if we began to practice Paul's advice here. Imagine what conversations with coworkers would look like. And imagine, and this is going to take a big imagination, but imagine what conversations with folks across the aisle politically would look like if we as Christians placed ourselves in a position of humility and said, I'm listening. I'm listening. James continues. He says, you should be slow to speak. He said, don't be afraid to wait. Don't feel like you have to immediately respond as soon as someone says something to you. This is really good advice. Because when we're in the heat of the moment, as humans, we don't really think that clearly. Often we say things that we don't really mean. Proverbs says something actually pretty comical. Solomon says, don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth. Be sensible. and Turn off the flow, please. All right? Now, listen, I know because I'm one of you. I, I know that you are raring to get your point across. When someone's talking to you, you can't wait, right? And the whole time they're talking, you're just thinking about what you're going to say to them. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that desire to respond, does that need to retort everything they've just said, does that feel like love? No. It feels like war. Why does it feel like war? Because when we as humans are in the heat of the moment, our fight or flight mode activates and adrenaline and a whole host of cocktail of chemicals goes coursing through your body, preparing you for battle. And Proverbs here is saying to turn off the flow of the adrenaline and be slow to speak before you say something you'll regret. My wife's grandfather, he's about 80 years old, he's got a phenomenal Irish brogue, so thick, even after being in this country for 50 years, famously always says, pretty telling about the family, but he always says, say nothing for a long time, then say nothing at all. It's great advice for relationships. Now, it will land you a crippling anxiety disorder, but small price, okay? Small price to pay. Now, if you got to say something, because I know a lot of you just got to say something, all right? Now, if you have to say something, psychologists advise, and I think James would completely agree. They would say, here's what you do. You got to say something, try to ask questions. To which you're going to go, ask questions. If I ask them questions, they're going to keep talking. That's the point. That, okay, because if your first priority is to listen, we want to keep them talking. We want to find out where they're coming from. We want to try to understand 
what's going on in their life? What's their perspective? Why do they believe and say the things that they do? It is not a weakness for you to say, help me to understand. There's a little bit of disconnect. So help me to understand your side of things. Let me just approach this from a different angle for a second, because maybe you're someone, and I doubt we have any of these folks in this room, but maybe you're somebody who is quick to speak, and slow to listen, that, that, in, that in, in your life, you know, you are someone who always has age over the other person. You've got a lot more wisdom than the other person. You've got a lot more experience than the other person. And, and, and you're very quick to dump that age and wisdom and experience on the other person. And yet it often feels like this, these, these pearls of wisdom that you're dispensing on your friends and family as though it's almost falling on deaf ears. It's just like they're not listening to me. But I know what I'm talking about. If that's you, psychologists will tell you that what you're saying is falling on deaf ears. John Gottman, who is one of the leading psychologists in this country, particularly when it comes to marriages and just interpersonal relationships, says this. It's fascinating. He says, human nature dictates that it's virtually impossible to accept advice from someone unless you feel that person understands you. You know what this means? This means that you, you could actually be right. In that conversation you're having right there, you, you might actually be the one who knows what they're talking about. But because you weren't quick to listen, instead you just spoke, they can't hear anything you're saying. They can't receive the wisdom that you have. Now, here's what's worse. You keep doing that, you could eventually push them away. In fact, you could be right so often that you can write that person right out of the relationship. So we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. If you do those two things, James's next piece of advice, oh, it's pretty easy. He says, be slow to become angry. Now, this is both a decision and a byproduct. Because if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, chances are you're not really going to get angry. And if you decide up front, you know what, I'm just going to listen, all right? I'm going I'm to try to understand them. I'm going to keep my yap shut. It's much easier to guard against anger. Now, anger is a natural human emotion. At some point, it's going to happen. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but anger inside of a relationship can be quite destructive. So James says, look, listen, you want to bypass that emotion of anger in your interpersonal relationships? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. So James gives us a very simple formula. He says, the more you listen, the more you'll learn, and the less you'll be angry. And it's brilliant because it's so simple. Now, why is this particular advice so helpful to us now in September of 2020? Well, one of the most confusing things about the world that we all live in is that everything that everyone does makes sense to them. You look around at people, right? And you kind of you like scratch your head and you go, what are you doing? Right? To quote Sebastian Maniscalco, aren't you embarrassed? No, they're not embarrassed because what they're doing makes perfect sense to them. Just like everything that you do makes perfect sense to you. Now it gets worse. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. But wait, there's more. Everything everyone believes 
make sense to them. Now I want to land on this one just a little bit because this one is particularly helpful for us right now. You see, where this trips us up most is when it comes to politics. See, we don't talk about politics here from the stage. If, if you're new to DHC, one of our core tenets is that churches should not discuss politics from the stage. Some do, we don't. We actually think that politics is a massive distraction from the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that we as individuals can't look to the scripture to find out how we can peaceably discuss politics outside the church walls. Now, it's an election year. Political debates are right around the corner. I don't know if you read the papers, but it's a little bit divisive out there right now. Not a good scene. All right. And soon you're going to hear people begin to talk about their political opinions. And you might catch yourself saying, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they say that. And I don't know why they believe that. Generally, we kind of say these things around like-minded individuals. And we're just like, what do people think? Can you believe this? I don't know why they do this. I don't know why they believe this. I don't know, I, I don't know why they, they say this. Now, if you catch yourself thinking this, you catch yourself saying it, that's okay. That's not a problem. But guess who needs to do a little bit of learning? I'll give you a hint. I don't know. We do. But we're not interested in learning because I'm right and they're wrong. And it's, easier for me to be critical of them and poke fun at them. It's easier for me to dismiss them than to learn why they think and believe the things that they think and believe. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to change your mind, and I'm not saying you're going to change their mind. But what I am saying is that according to James, we owe them the respect of listening to what they have to say, not to be quick, to tear them down anger. Why is this so important? Because, James would say, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Here's how to understand this. In our human relationships, there are three agendas, yours, theirs, and God's. You want to be right. They want to be right. And neither of your rights is what God desires. Because we want to be right at each other. I want you to know that I'm right. I want you to know that you're wrong. And I want everybody to know that I'm right. And I want everybody to know that you do not know what you're talking about. We want to be right at each other. But God wants us to be right with each other. Married people, let me ask you a question. If you win an argument with your spouse, what do you actually win? Nothing. Feels like you lost, doesn't it? Because now you can cut the tension in your house with a knife. It's brutal. Or if you win a political argument with a friend, and now you're not talking to each other, it makes no sense. You may have won the argument, but now you've lost a friend. Great. What are we doing to ourselves, folks? James would say this. If the two of you aren't right, it doesn't matter who's right. Now, you might say, John, but listen, hold on. If they can't handle the truth, 
That's not my problem. I mean, I'm just speaking the truth, but they can't handle it. Not my problem. Okay. Well, according to Jesus, if you're a Christian, it is your problem. And it's a big problem. Jesus put such an enormous, huge priority on our human relationships. Look what he says in Matthew. He says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, if you're going to church, he would say if it were 2020, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go, he would say, and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Do you see the magnitude of this command that Jesus is saying? He's going, hey, Christian. Before you go to church, before you post that flowery scripture picture on your Facebook page, drop everything and go make it right with that friend that you blasted last night at dinner over politics. Go go make it right with your wife that you just tore into on the way to church. Go make it right with your coworker that you blew up at Friday afternoon. He would say, go make it right first. Then. Continue with your Christian life. And he begins to wrap it up. James says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Now, in the original language, the the word that he uses here is more like offensive language. And when we hear offensive language, we think, you know, curse words or swear words, depending on where the country you're from, you know, bad, bad words. But it's so much more than that. Because James here is commanding us to speak in a way as to not offend. Now you hear that and you probably, you know, roll your eyes and go, good luck with that. Good luck not offending somebody in 2020. Okay, I get it. We are now in a time where everybody gets offended over everything. We are firmly entrenched in in what is now, you know, I believe it's called cancel culture. And so when Christine and I were running the message this week, we got to this section and she had a great question regarding this. And she says, well, how, how do Christians navigate the cancel culture? How, how are we supposed to say the things that we need to say and not offend? And I was thinking about that this week. A solid question. First, we have to remember that God is love. That's straight from scripture. Secondly, we need to remember that Jesus came to reconcile us to God and us and to each other. And so I would say this, if your beliefs cause you to treat someone the wrong way, there's something wrong with your beliefs. You need to go back and read the gospel because Jesus was able to share the truth even when it stung. And people who were nothing like him still liked him. So we don't need to be worried about offending people with the message of Jesus Christ, if we share the message of Jesus Christ in the spirit in which Jesus Christ shared his message. Love. Continues. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And this word evil, it's this idea of hurting people for the sake of hurting people. It's taking that cheap shot at your spouse. Kids. Taking that sarcastic tone with your parents because you know how much you bothered them. Or it's posting that political cartoon on Facebook 
with the sole intention of insulting the other side. James says, instead of doing any of that, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. He's reminding us of who we are in Christ. He's saying, never forget that your number one priority in this life is to make disciples for Jesus Christ. Your job is to share the message of Jesus Christ with your words and your actions. And as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus would say that we are to be known by how we love one another. And so to that end, we're going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That being said, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So in fairness, James is entirely practical. We'll just do whatever he says and put that into practice and it will serve you well. But I do have one question that I think impacts all of us, or at least it will at some point. Here's the question. Is there anyone you've been trying to be right at instead of right with? Is it a spouse? An ex? A friend? I mean, are you, are, you, are you butting heads about parenting? Are you butting heads about finances? Perhaps maybe you got carried away with politics? As we were having this conversation, as we were hearing the words of James and Paul and Jesus, Was there a name in your mind, a face in your mind that was so strong that you couldn't ignore it? That if Jesus were to walk in here right now, he would look at you and go, I think you know exactly what you need to do. Go and be reconciled to that. So what steps can you take to put your relationships before your right ones? Because according to what we learned today in the scripture, it doesn't matter who's right if the two of you aren't right. So this week, don't settle for being right. Make things right. Let me pray for you. Dearly Father, I want to thank you for sustaining this church for five years, for bringing us through this pandemic, God. And we give you all the glory and thanks for that. Lord, we're in a a time in this nation unlike anything we've ever seen before. And tensions are so high. And And it just impacts every aspect of our lives. And I pray that over the next couple of weeks, for the rest of our life for that matter, Lord, you would give us the grace to treat one another with respect. We can only work on ourselves, Lord. And if we're your followers, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Empower us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, to carry that. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name.